Since the beginning of the year, we've been following a series called The Heart of Jesus, and um, this is the final message in that series. So um, we began that year just with that fresh desire to know Jesus better, to go deeper in our relationship with him, closer in our walk with him. And throughout the last few months, we've been looking at key moments in Jesus' life, but taking a deeper look into his heart. And we've discovered that what we knew already was true. Jesus is good news. He's good news for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disappointed, the cynical, the empty, the broken, the hungry, the faithful, the joyful, the expectant. And as we have looked in the heart of Jesus, we have seen that we are there. And we focused on that verse in Matthew 11, where Jesus, the only verse in the Bible where Jesus actually specifically talks about his own heart. And he describes himself, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Come to me, he says, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're going to be looking at one verse, although there'll be other verses, Sarah, coming up. Um, And it's John 13, verse 1. And I've said this before, but as we reread the Scriptures, there are just some verses that just spring out at you again when you get reminded of them. And John 13, verse 1 kicks off John's passion narrative. I love John's gospel. I mean, I love all the gospels, but I I like John's gospel a lot. And 40% of his gospel deals with just the last few days in Jesus' life. 40% of his gospel. Just the last few days of Jesus' life. And it kicks off from this uh, verse in John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world And go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And that's just the bit that caught me again. He loved them to the end. We've been singing that his love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on us. We've discovered in this series that the heart of Jesus for us does not flash with tenderness occasionally or temporarily. It does not wear out over time. The one who is gentle and humble in heart loves us and will love us to the end. And it's not presumption on our part. It's what the Bible says. So Jesus comes to the cliff edge of the cross, and he doesn't change his mind. He walks over the edge for us. The passion narrative in John's gospel contains those details and Jesus' last words more than any other gospel. But John had gotten used to Jesus saying that his hour had not yet come. If you read through John's gospel, you'll find three times in John's gospel where he records Jesus saying, my hour is not yet come. 
First one is John 2 and the wedding of Cana. And Mary says, you know, do whatever Jesus tells you in those things. And Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And of course, like an obedient child, he did what his mum said. John 7, to his brothers, when they were encouraging him, although they didn't believe in him at that time, his brothers were encouraging him, why not go public? Go to that big festival in Jerusalem. Go public. Show yourself to the world. And Jesus says to them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. And then in John 7, verse 30, to the religious authorities, when they tried to seize him, it says, at this they seized him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. But now, in John 13, everything changes. Jesus knows that his hour has come. It was the time, the hour, to leave the world and return to the Father. And so this verse kicks off this extended section in John's Gospel. And John's statement is that Jesus loved to the end. Jesus doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't keep anything for himself. As Paul would say, he makes himself nothing. He empties himself of all but love. And his love is not like our love. One of um, the messages we had in this series is that his thoughts are not like our thoughts. His ways are not like our ways. And we're grateful that his ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. His love has no expiry date. It never grows cold. We live in a world that seems to be confused about what love is anymore. But John knows what love is. He says in one of his letters, 1 John 4, verse 10, This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is love, covered in flesh. And there is no love like Jesus' love. His ways are not our ways. His love is not like the love we find in the world or sometimes even in our own hearts. We may love until we don't feel love anymore. We may love until we are betrayed. We may love until we are forsaken. John says Jesus loves to the end. He continues to the cross despite being betrayed. He continues to the cross despite being forsaken. I was really taken this week by our meditation. Uh, we have a Wednesday morning prayer meeting on Zoom every week, 8 o'clock. You're really welcome to join us. But the week's meditation this week was this. When I look at the cross... All I see is love, love, love. When I look at the cross, I can see the love of God. 
But I can't see competition. I can't see hierarchy. I can't see pride or prejudice or the abuse of authority. I can't see lust for power. I can't see manipulation. I can't see rage or anger or selfish ambition. I can't see unforgiveness. I can't see hate or envy. I can't see stupid fighting or bitterness or jealousy. I can't see empire building. I can't see self-importance. I can't see backstabbing or vanity or arrogance. I see surrender, sacrifice, salvation, humility, righteousness, faithfulness, grace, forgiveness, love, love, love. When I stop and look at the cross, I can see the love of God. Sometimes we love up to a limit. Jesus loves to the end. And what does John mean by that little phrase, to the end? Does it mean sort of forever? Well, yes, it does. But it also means that he went to the utmost for us. Last week, we looked at Paul's revelation, how much more that Jesus loved us when we were sinners, how much more he loves us now. He loved us when we were his enemies. He's not going to stop us now. We're his friends and his family. Paul was teaching about salvation and justification. Paul was a theologian. He was really objective based on that factual evidence of the cross that Jesus, if he died for us when we were enemies of his, how much more will he love us and see our salvation through to the end? Paul was saying that for Jesus to forsake us would be a breach of his justice. But John is slightly different. He's more... Subjective. So if Paul is objective, John is more subjective, based on more personal feelings or emotions. John, the beloved disciple, that's how he describes himself. We know that. He wasn't the only beloved disciple, but he knew he was beloved. You can call yourself the beloved disciple. The one who laid on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, who heard his very heartbeat the one whom Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to at the cross. John focuses on the heart of Jesus, his love. For John, for Jesus to forsake us would be a breach of his own heart. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And Jesus knows at this moment that it is the beginning of the end for him, of his earthly life. He is entering that final chapter and the deepest valley. He knew that his hour had come to depart the world and return to the Father. John, as it were, looks back. Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and we are included in that. Because Jesus goes on to say, my prayer is for not them alone, but I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. So we're included in that. 
we are loved to the end by Jesus. Jesus' three-year ministry, that public ministry, is coming to an end. It has been physically brutal. It's been tiring for Jesus, exhausting. There's been few moments of rest. It's been difficult relationally. He has been misunderstood, mistreated even by his own family and friends. And by the religious elite, he has been rebuked and accused. But that is nothing compared to what is ahead of Jesus right now. As John reveals what is to come. Jesus has done the Father's will unwaveringly. And throughout it all, he has known the Father's pleasure and favor. At his baptism, Matthew 3, verse 17, God the Father says this, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then in that moment when the three disciples see Jesus just transformed, transfigured, they catch a glimpse of the glory he had before he came to earth. And they hear the Father say, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. But now, for Jesus, things will turn dark. What he will go through for us, we cannot comprehend. We will never fathom it. Hell itself. The horror of condemnation, the darkness, and death itself. For Jesus will take upon himself the sins of the world. Mine and yours. But the sins of the world. And he will take upon himself his own wrath as well. The punishment for sin. Think a moment about what we might feel about the horrors of this world. We don't like to dwell on them, quite rightly so. We move on quickly from the unthinkable, the unspeakable acts of abuse towards the innocent. Man's inhumanity to man brings from our hearts righteous indignation. Every insidious and revolting sin, the cruelty of mankind, all deserving the wrath of God. Whatever we imagine is but a drop in the ocean of what Jesus took on. It is impossible for us to conceive the horror of hell, but that is what Jesus bore for us. The reason why sometimes we don't take sin seriously because we don't know what it really costs. What Jesus bore for us, 
Listen to the prophet Isaiah speaking 600 years before Jesus left his throne in heaven. Speaking about Jesus, he was despised. Isaiah 53, verse 6, 3 to 6. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Upon the one who had known no sin, the iniquity, wickedness of us all came upon Jesus at the cross. The thought of it in the garden, he sweated blood. How much more the horror of bearing the sin of the world. To actually become sin for us. That cry of dereliction, which is that quote from Psalm 22, the abandonment was real. In that moment, the unbroken communion with his father was broken. We could say that Jesus died of a broken heart. We know the physical torture of Jesus that he went through. Physically broken, torn apart, pierced. But more than that, it was not the withdrawal of oxygen from his lungs that caused his death. But it's love for us. The great love at the heart of the universe was being rent, torn in two. The light of the world was going out. The beautiful was being marred. The clean one was being made filthy for us. So that we, the ugly ones, could be freely, beautifully pardoned, cleansed. Our heaven came through his hell. I don't normally speak like this. But we, when we discover the heart of Jesus, have to know what he went through and why he went through it. Because if we are to have a heart like Jesus, it comes out of gratitude and worship. I don't want you to do anything as a result of this series. Accept, love Jesus more. There is no 10-step plan that I want you to follow. 
I want you to love Jesus more. Because when you understand what he did for you, and when you understand the cost of it, it will break you. But it will draw from you a deeper and deeper love. The cost of our salvation. This is what loving to the end means. Why would he go through it? Because he has set his heart on us. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He has made everything possible so that anyone can be forgiven, healed, restored, have an eternal destiny in him. Nothing else is required. Just trust in Jesus. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. His heart of love for us. It's not like an arrow quickly shot and falling to the ground. It's not like a sprinter quick out of the blocks but faltering over a long distance. His heart is an avalanche gathering momentum over time. It is a wildfire growing in intensity as it spreads. He loved his own and he loves us to the end. He will see you through to the end. Those of us who believe in his name, who are trusting Jesus, we can be secure in his love. If Jesus went through all that for you, how much more will he see you through to the end? He will love you to the end. There is no exit strategy for his love. He has not signed a prenup in his love to the end of our lives, to the end of our sins, to the end of our fears. He will love us to the end. And we celebrate because death couldn't hold him. Bore the weight of the sin of the world and paid it all off. So what is our response to the heart of Jesus? I say again, I don't want you to do anything. Dane Ortland, who authors the book that this series has been based on, he has this funny illustration at the end of the book. If an Eskimo wins a holiday to a sunny place... He doesn't arrive at the hotel room and step out onto his balcony and wonder how to apply that to his life. He just enjoys it. And he basks in it. And he is thankful. And I think that's the only thing for us to do as we come to the end of this series is just... Enjoy the love of Jesus. Bask in it. Be thankful. Jesus says, come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So let's just love him more. And the more you know of his heart, the more you will love Let's pray together. I'm going to ask the band to come back. Father God, we just want to thank you for the incredible, amazing, unfathomable love that you have for us. 
that you gave your only son for us. And Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to come to lay aside all your majesty, give up everything for us, and bear our sin and the sin of this world that whoever believes in you will not perish but have eternal life. Help us, Lord, to just take that in and respond to you in love. Holy Spirit, will you fill our hearts again to overflow with the love of Jesus? May our witness for you, wherever we go, wherever we are, just be an overflow of our love for you. May we be more like you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.